they take all the time to do this and they should have had it done already. Sorry. I have a pocket. It works. me a chance to take a deep breath. <sighs> I'm glad to be here. I, I, um, I feel like I've just been put up on this great big pedestal. I want you to be sure and take me down off of there so I don't fall, please. It's really important. <laughs> um, I appreciate um, Kylie and um, Vanessa and their confidence that they have in me. And um, I have confidence in my Lord because he's the one that's got all the power, all the strength, all the wisdom. So we're going to give him all the glory, not me. I'm just a woman. I'm just a daughter of the king, just like you. That's it. Um, we're going to start off with a prayer. So if you'll pray with me. Father God, I love the body of Christ. I love your daughters and your sons. And it is so exciting for me to come and meet new people, listen to them, hear their, their faith and their love and their dedication to you. And that encourages me, and I know that that's going to go back and encourage people wherever I go. Because this is, this is something, that a gift that you're giving me. And so I thank you. I thank you for them and for the faith of the people who taught me, my mother, my grandmother, her, her mother. Um, so I want to pray constantly, Father, and ask you, you are the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, and you give the spiritual wisdom, you give the insight to us so that we may grow in your knowledge, so that we'll know who you are, and I pray that our hearts will be flooded with the light so that you, so we can understand the confident hope that you have given to those that you have called and chosen, your holy people who are rich and your glorious inheritance. Father, thank you for what led up to Paul sitting down and writing this letter to the group of Ephesians who worshipped you and believed you. Help us to learn from what he had to say to them. Help us put it into our hearts so that we can let your light shine in the world of darkness and help us to see the path clearly that we need to be on. We praise your glorious name, Father. You are the king of heaven and earth. You are who was and who is and who is to come. And we thank you for Christ, your Son, in whose name we are saved and by whose blood we are cleansed. It's his name. Amen. Amen. Okay. <clears throat> so, goody two-shoes. Where are we? Next slide. Click. Oh, I'm supposed to do that. It's my job. Sorry. <laughs> oh, look, there it is. That's so exciting. We didn't practice this part. Sorry. Okay, if this falls off, y'all just laugh, okay? Because I don't have any jokes. And y'all can just laugh at that. <laughs> okay. We're going to try to make sure it stays on. Okay. There we go. Okay. So, goody two-shoes, finding balance and purpose. Do you know how big this subject is? Balance and purpose? Okay, we're going to try really hard. i got 30 minutes. I might go over a couple, but it's okay. So, this is the best illustration I could see. Oh, wait. Did I go back? There it is. There's help. Oh, I can see. I don't have to turn around. Okay. We didn't practice this part. Thank you. I appreciate that. Okay, so this is the best illustration that I could come up with, balance. Um, and I don't want you to get me wrong, because me and others are not equal. Just like apples and oranges are not equal. They may both be fruits. They, uh, you, you know, you can, you can 
balance something, but you have to figure out what it is that, that you're balancing. You know, I mean, if you're comparing two fruits, you can compare sweetness or nutritional value or something like that. But they're not, it doesn't mean that they're equal. Does that make sense? So when you're balancing, we have to really stop and think and evaluate what it is that we're comparing. Um, so like especially faith and works. You think about that, balancing faith and works, balancing grief and joy. That's what we need to do, isn't it? It's like apples and oranges. So I was going to tell you that my grandmother was 93 years old, and she taught me balance. Y'all can laugh if you want to. It's okay. She was 93, and we were standing in the kitchen, and she said, I want you to watch me. I said, okay. And she did this. And she just smiled. (laughs) And I thought, okay, good job. (laughs) You know, I didn't think that was anything, but at 93... At 63, I'm going to tell you that's something. <laughs> I'm really proud of her. <laughs> don't be afraid to try something new and risky. Watch out, but, you know, don't be afraid. It's all good. My mother taught me balance because she used to say that um, if somebody went to school, no offense to anybody, um, if somebody went to school to be like a professional lawyer or especially engineer or something like that, um, that usually they just put all of that information in their mind and they didn't put any other information in their mind. So they had this big bump on their head. That's what she used to say. They have a bump on their head. And so they were balanced, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I worked for engineers. I know that they didn't have any balance at all. They <laughs> couldn't fill out an application to save their life, gender, male offspring. I don't know. They, they don't understand. Anyway, that's... that's neither here nor there. So we're going to start off, we're going to listen to Paul. We're going to listen to Paul, who was inspired by the Holy Spirit, as he gives us insight into God's plan and his purposes for Christ, for Paul himself, and for us. Because we're kind of in the same boat as the Ephesians, yes? Yes. So on your paper, in your little booklets, you've got some places to take notes for Goody Two-Shoes. It's got some lines on it. That's terrific. But I'd like for you to look in the back of your book because there's some blank pages back there. Take one of those. Um, Because I want you to make three areas. I'm open to artistic um, expression. Thank you. Yes, expression. And so you can make them circles, you can make them triangles. I don't, it's your paper, you can do what you want. But we need three areas, you need three areas. One for God the Father, the Spirit of Christ, and Jesus the Messiah. That's one section. And that one's pretty good size. Then there's one for Paul. You can make that one kind of small, Paul small. And then there's one for us. That one's going to be pretty good size too. And so what I want you to do, ladies, we're going to try and experiment here. Maybe it's something you've done before, and maybe it's not. That's okay. But my son taught me. I don't know if you know my son, Wes McAdams. I have to to pitch his name in there because I'm a name dropper. I'll go on. (laughs) I'll go on his reputation. Uh, No, I won't. I'll do my own. Um, And so he says that the most important way to understand a book of the Bible is to read the whole thing at one time. The whole letter at one time. So I want you to know that Ephesians takes 18 minutes to read the whole book, front to back. And if you can't read that fast, just get a little app. I use the version, and just turn it on. It takes 18 minutes. You'll be done. So what I want you to do is I want you to take some notes. I want you to listen to what Paul is saying. And you won't be able to catch every aspect um, of the wonderful purpose and plan that the Father has laid out prepared, facilitated, lavished on us. But catch as many as you can. Write those down. Most importantly, I want you to savor what you hear. Listen to that. Here we go. The book of Ephesians, chapter 1. 
Greetings from Paul. This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. I am writing to God's holy people in Ephesus who are faithful followers of Christ Jesus. May God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Spiritual Blessings All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us, along with all wisdom and understanding. God has now revealed to us his mysterious plan regarding Christ, a plan to fulfill his own good pleasure. And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God, for he chose us in advance, and he makes everything work out according to his plan. God's purpose was that we Jews, who were the first to trust in Christ, would bring praise and glory to God. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised, and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. Paul's Prayer for Spiritual Wisdom Ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere, I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called, his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ, who fills all things everywhere with himself. Chapter 2. Made Alive with Christ Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much, that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ, and seated us with him in the heavenly realms, because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us, as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. 
For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Oneness and peace in Christ. Don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. In those days you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel and you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. But now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people. When in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from the two groups. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross. And our hostility toward each other was put to death. He brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away from him, and peace to the Jews who were near. Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. A temple for the Lord. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together we are his house built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. Chapter 3, God's Mysterious Plan Revealed When I think of all this, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus for the benefit of you Gentiles, assuming, by the way, that you know God gave me the special responsibility of extending his grace to you Gentiles. As I briefly wrote earlier, God himself revealed his mysterious plan to me. As you read what I have written, you will understand my insight into this plan regarding Christ. God did not reveal it to previous generations, but now by his spirit, he has revealed it to his holy apostles and prophets. And this is God's plan. Both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Both are part of the same body and both enjoy the promise of blessings because they belong to Christ Jesus. By God's grace and mighty power, I have been given the privilege of serving him by spreading this good news. Though I am the least deserving of all God's people, he graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. I was chosen to explain to everyone this mysterious plan that God, the creator of all things, had kept secret from the beginning. God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus our Lord. Because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. So please don't lose heart because of my trials here. I am suffering for you, so you should feel honored. Paul's Prayer for Spiritual Growth When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God.
Now, all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Chapter 4. Unity in the Body. Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one Spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father, who is over all and in all and living through all. However, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. That is why the scriptures say, when he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. Notice that it says, he ascended. This clearly means that Christ also descended to our lowly world. And the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens, so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow, so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Living as children of light. With the Lord's authority, I say this. Live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth. For we are all parts of the same body. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. If you are a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good, hard work. And then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, He has identified you as His own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Chapter 5. Living in the Light Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are His dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered Himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. 
Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes, these are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. You can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. For a greedy person is an idolater, worshipping the things of this world. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins, for the anger of God will fall on all who disobey him. Don't participate in the things these people do, for once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord, so live as people of light. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. It is shameful even to talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret, but their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them, for the light makes everything visible. This is why it is said, Awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Living by the Spirit's power. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, and making music to the Lord in your hearts. And give thanks for everything to God the Father. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Spirit-guided relationships, wives and husbands. And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. For husbands, this means love your wives, just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church, without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body, but feeds and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church. And we are members of his body. As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. This is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Chapter 6 Children and Parents Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you and you will have a long life on the earth. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Slaves and Masters Slaves, obey your earthly masters with deep respect and fear. Serve them sincerely as you would serve Christ. Try to please them all the time, not just when they are watching you. As slaves of Christ, do the will of God with all your heart. Work with enthusiasm, as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will reward each one of us for the good we do, whether we are slaves or free. Masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Don't threaten them. Remember, you both have the same master in heaven, and he has no favorites. The whole armor of God. A final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, 
and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then, after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news, so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet, and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times, and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. And pray for me too. Ask God to give me the right words, so I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan that the good news is for Jews and Gentiles alike. I am in chains now, still preaching this message as God's ambassador. So pray that I will keep on speaking boldly for him as I should. Final greetings. To bring you up to date, Tychicus will give you a full report about what I am doing and how I am getting along. He is a beloved brother and faithful helper in the Lord's work. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, to let you know how we are doing and to encourage you. Peace be with you, dear brothers and sisters, and may God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you love with faithfulness. May God's grace be eternally upon all who love our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, as I was starting this lesson, I, I did the same thing that you did. I made myself three different pages, and I put down God's plan and purpose. I thought, this is pretty easy. I've right there in the first chapter verses 9 through 14 God revealed to us his mysterious plan regarding Christ which is to fulfill his own good plan and this is the plan at the right time he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ everything in heaven and on earth furthermore because we're united with Christ we've received an inheritance from God for he chose us in advance and he makes everything work out according to his plan. God's purpose was that the Jews, who were the first to trust in Christ, would bring praise and glory to God. And then the Gentiles, who also heard the truth and the good news that God saves them. So when the, the Gentiles believed in Christ, he identified them as his own by giving them the Holy Spirit, whom he promised a long time ago. This Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give them, which is us, the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. I, I was like, that, that's pretty easy, right? But I listened to Ephesians every day. And the more I listened, the more I learned. Let me get my little clicker. Sorry. Oops, sorry, I just read that. God's plan and purpose was to unite us to those who had the, the truth in the beginning, the Jews, the Gentiles, so that the church would be one. He cares for people every day. This is just my list. And honestly, as we're going through it this time, there's way more. I'm just writing down more. The more you listen, the more you get. And he gave grace. This isn't on that list. He gave grace. He made the body full and complete. It is what he wants it to be. We don't need to be dissatisfied with where we are because he's making it what it needs to be. He's building it up in unity. That's, that's his, his business. That's his plan. So that when he looks at the church, it's what he wants it to be. He sees where he wants each part. He gives us jobs to do. He planned those jobs a long, long time ago. Just look around. They're there. He made us so that we could share in his riches. He made us new. He united us with Christ. Do you see what's available to us? It's, it's amazing. Paul's purpose. Click, click, sorry. 
I have stopped, and I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that, listen to those words, so that. I can't tell you how many times that's in there. You need to underline them, circle them. Every time you come to it, you'll know, oh wait, that's so that. that that's where we're going. So that you might grow in your knowledge of God. He wants us to grow. That was what, that's Paul's job, to make sure that, that we could grow. He was, he was supposed to be content with, with what he had and where he was. His job was to unify and encourage the Jews and the Gentiles to get along. Sound familiar? That he, he was an apostle to the Gentiles. He was chosen, he said, before he was born. He was an example to the Jews on how to treat the Gentiles. He, he was to leave information for future believers. Here we are. He received grace. He received insight. There's way more. We just keep adding to it. Our purpose. I, I mean, I read it in the very beginning. He did this so that we would praise and glorify him. If what we're doing is not praising and glorifying him, we need to stop and re-examine. Because that's, that's what Paul wrote down. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised. And he purchased us to be his own people. How does that make you feel? What do you think? We were purchased. He planned that out for us. Have to feel very special because you are. And then when we get to our purpose, holy moly! I mean, this is just no, <laughs> this list is nothing, absolutely nothing. I'm I'm sitting there listening to to that that book, and there's so much. It's so rich, and it's rich toward us. There's so much out there. We need to stop and examine what He's given us. Paul said that he prayed that we know what is the hope to which he has called you. The hope. It's one of my favorite words. Because there's a resurrection, girls, it's coming. Be ready, it's coming. That's what I look forward to. That's my favorite word right now. He wants us to know what the riches are of his glorious inheritance in the saints. That's how he thinks of you. His glorious inheritance the saints. Wow. Look in the mirror. See who you are? He wants us to know the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe. Do you know what kind of power that was? That was the same power that he used to raise Jesus from the dead. Now, I don't know about you, but I can't do that. I haven't tried. I'm not even going to go there. But that's the same power he's making available to us. There is nothing that we cannot do that he's set out there before you. He offered us salvation. He wants to be near us. Why do you think he gave us his spirit? He wants to live with us. That's how much he loves you. Do you get it? Are you seeing it? So Jesus summed it up like this. This is my very first thought when I, when I read the title of the lesson. I always go back to this. This is, this is my foundation. This is what I turn to when I don't know what to do. This is what I use to measure. Jesus said to the lawyer who was talking to him in Matthew 22, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. You should love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang the whole law and the prophets. I dare you. Go back and read the old law. Look at any of the laws, any of the stories, What's it all about? Do you love God? Do you love your neighbor? That's it. And so you have, we can examine ourselves right now. This is not brain science. This is easy. It's easy. We can do this. No, it's not easy. It's, it's simple. It's not easy. So 
because things get in the way. So here we go. Oh, there's a T down there. It's okay. <laughs> so it's, I'm, I'm a very simple person. We did very simple things. This is my little Lego guy. We love God with our heart. That's our feelings, our desires, our emotions. We love God with our soul. Our soul is not our spirit. Our soul is our life. I forget what it was on the Titanic. There was so many people on there. We'll say 395. I don't know. 395 souls were lost. There was lives were lost. This is a life. This is a soul is what you are. A spirit is what you have, but a soul is what you are. It's who you are. It's what you do. It's how you look to the church. It's how you look to the outside, to the world. That's your soul. What does your soul say? What's it look like? And we're to love God with our mind. That's our thoughts, conscious or unconscious motives, and our goals. So you see, God made you. He wants all of it. No doubt. Everybody knows this, right? You know the story? Good Samaritan. I don't have to waste my 12 minutes, right? <laughs> Love your neighbor as yourself. So I think that means without thought of consequence or recompense or preconceived notions, step out there and just do it. Just do it. No matter who they are, what they look like, what they smell like, just do it. Just love them. Do you need to be reminded of what love is? I know that sounds simple, but I'm going to tell you something. This is another of my foundations. When I say that to people, I always go back in my head, okay, what is love? Because we get kind of convoluted about that in our language. We use that word a lot, and it gets, it gets way distorted. Love is patience and kindness. Paul put that together, patient and kind. It's not envious. It's not boastful. It's not arrogant. It is not rude at all. Love is not selfish and doesn't want things only my way. It's not irritable. It's a hard one, right? It doesn't bring up past hurts. Love does not. It doesn't rejoice about injustice, but it celebrates when truth wins. When truth wins. It's kind of hard when we're watching the movie screen and the and the bad guy gets his just desserts, right? We're like, yes! No! We're sad because evil is out there. We want truth to win. Not what we want, not how we feel. Love never gives up. That's hard. That's hard. 45 years of marriage, I can tell you that's hard. Never gives up, no matter what. It's okay. Because I'm going to tell you, 45 years is way better than 23. Just hang in there. Hang in there. It's going to be great. <laughs> Love is always hopeful. There's my word. Love is always hopeful. As long as they're breathing, we got time. We got hope. It endures through every circumstance. So if you're having trouble with that endurance, let's go back and check our love meter. Maybe we need to love somebody a little better. Maybe we need to love ourselves a little better. Step up there and examine. Okay, so I had to add a little bit embellish there. Um, in the Sermon on the Mount, I love Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. I studied Matthew for the Bible Bowl, and we do the same thing in the Bible Bowl. Is we read a book over and over and over and over and over again. I tell you, fall in love with God's word. Fall in love with God. Because you can see how much he loves you and what he's given you and what, what he's provided for. But this is the hard part. This is the hard part. You see that triangle there is Yahweh. And part of, part of the God has is the lamb. And he has provided for us. 
He's provided the Spirit, and He's our strength. And that foundation is our Father. And He wants us to be filled up with His fullness. Have you ever stopped and thought about what that means? Filled up with the fullness of God? Who would we be? What could we do? My. But it takes a sacrifice. Oh, did you hear that? Sacrifice. Sorry. I have a little bit of horses. Sacrifice. It takes humility. It takes some persecution sometimes. And you're going to expect persecution from outside the church, but I'm going to tell you, I'm here to tell you it comes from inside too. Don't give up. It takes mercy. Really, really important mercy to give that out. It may take poor. It may take poverty. It's okay. You can give it up. It's not that important. It's not forever. It's not our hope. I guarantee it takes transformation. Guarantee it. If you need to be hungry and thirsty, that's okay. It's okay. Because if you read Luke's account of the Sermon on the Plains, it's kind of similar to the Sermon on the Mount. He said, if you're hungry now, he didn't say hungry for the word, righteousness, like Matthew does. He says hungry. If you're hungry now, if you're poor now, you are blessed. You are blessed. You need to stop and think about what that means. We need to be sorrowful. Sorrowful our sins. Sorrowful for the sins of the world. Because we're in it. We're here. So there's my, there's my balance sheet. <laughs> and so there's the others. And so when we're trying to balance that with others, it looks a lot like the same kind of thing. It means that we serve others. And that does not come naturally. It has to be taught. We have to teach our children. We have to teach ourselves. We have to teach each other. It means we have to be forgiving. We have to be accepting of things we don't understand. It may not be wrong. It may feel wrong. We need to examine that. Because just because I'm uncomfortable doesn't mean it's wrong. Pay attention to that. We have to be sharing. We don't need it all. Share that. And we need to be willing to mature. Growing up, right? Growing in the Lord. It costs something to be a disciple. But you know what? Sacrifice is always paid for. Blood of Christ, right? Washes us. And so, <laughs> this was kind of a, an interesting um, thing that Jesus said to the scribes and Pharisees. He's called them hypocrites. For you pay a tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law. Justice, mercy, faith. Can you see that balance? It's kind of out of balance, isn't it? These you ought to have done without leaving the other ones undone. So the Pharisees were a little confused. They didn't know which one was more important. Treating people with respect or seasoning the chili. I guess we have to figure that out, hey? <laughs> Thanks for getting my joke. I appreciate that. <laughs> so let's set our boundaries. It's important to set boundaries because I know we cannot do it all. And there's a time to set a boundary, and that's a good thing. That keeps you from, from being empty. You've got to keep refilling, don't we? So set those boundaries. Do what you can, and then go beyond. Just a little bit. Evaluate your resources and then step out on faith because God's got them all. And remember all the times, go back and read it, all the times that Jehovah gave and rescued and lavished on people who trust him and who believe him. And set your aim. Plan your goal. See yourself being who he made you to be. Visualize it. Do you remember that? 
Vanessa, visualization. You set that goal and you look at it, you see it in your mind and you spend time seeing yourself doing what God needs you to do. Because he already prepared it. Remember a long time ago. It's already there. All you have to do is watch for it. So when I talked to my son Wes, he, I was talking to him about the words and the meanings because he's really good at that. And he said that that word aim, plan, goal, um, is like if you built a car and it was fully functional the way it was supposed to be. So what you saw was not just what it looked like, but what it was supposed to do. It was complete. It was full. It was that, I don't know any other word. I was trying really hard to put it together in something that would relate to what we're doing. <laughs> Cars and engines really didn't relate to shoes. So I was trying really hard to figure that out. Um, so if you built an engine and the engine ran just like you wanted it to do and it would run the car at a certain speed and it would, you know, stop and start and do what it's supposed to do, it would be the end. It would be the goal. So in our vernacular, maybe, what do you want that outfit to look like? What do you want it to say about yourself? So we're going to put on Christ, right, as our outfit clothe ourselves with Christ. How do you want those shoes to perform? Paul said, put on the shoes of peace so that we'll be prepared. We got, we got a race to run, don't we? We have pretty specific shoes. So the aim of our charge, Paul said to Timothy, is love. There's the aim. And this is where it comes from. It comes from a pure heart. It comes from a good conscience and a sincere faith. So if you've you got an issue with the love, if that isn't where it needs to be, here's where you examine your heart, your conscience, your faith. And one more, 2 Corinthians 5.9, Paul also says, Therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. Thank you very much.